0: Here we are now with episode 10 of Learning to Breathe. This is the series finale. (laughs) Whoa, what a series it's been. I've had so much fun talking about these breathing techniques and we've covered so much. In this episode, in this series finale... Of course, we've saved the best for the end. We've saved the most powerful, the heaviest, the most hardcore breathing technique for last. And actually, at the end of this episode, what I'd like to do with you, I'd like to invite you, if you'd like to, you are invited, is to follow along with me in a guided meditation. So watch out for that at the very end. And we're going to go through this breathing technique. I'll show you, we'll we'll explain and discuss the breathing technique and then we'll do it as a meditation, as a transformative practice, and I'll guide you through it. So that's to look forward to. Now, in essence, now, well, not in essence, but what what do I want to say? What I'm trying to say is this, it's hard to know where to begin sometimes with big things, with powerful things, with something, with the with the essence of something and how many different versions there are of it. There's a job to be done in illustrating its importance and its drama. And what I would... Re- propose to you, and I think many experienced meditators and practitioners of breathing techniques would agree, is that this breathing technique is the most powerful breathing technique in the world. And in fact, you could even say it's the most powerful meditation in the world. It's one of the most powerful traditional meditations. Now, if you leave out the modern meditations. Maybe then this takes the cake because this is an old breathing technique that's been known for centuries. And it's been done in many cultures in many different ways. And there are many different forms of it. And we're going to discuss a few of those. So, where to begin? Well, you might have remembered at the very start of this series, I hope you've listened to all the episodes. Thank you so much. What a trip it's been. You must have learned so much from this. I've had so much fun and I've learned so much talking about this. And it's been great to share these with you because I've got so much out of it. But if you've followed along the series, then think back to where we first started. And I said that we're learning to breathe. And it's going to be a 10-part series. And I'm sure at least someone in there was thinking, I'm sure I was probably one of them, was thinking, really, 10 series on how to breathe? I already know how to breathe. And now look at how much we've learned. Look at how far we've come. Now, by the same token, don't underestimate how far this final breathing technique can take you. Don't underestimate how much there is to it. Like you underestimated how much there is to learn about breathing, don't underestimate this powerful and heavy breathing technique so it's been a long series it's been quite comprehensive by no means exhaustive we've talked about four-part breathing and of course along with that two-part breathing and six-part breathing we've talked about state altering mood altering emotional altering heart rate blood pressure the respiratory system we've talked about the energy body skin sensitivity. And then in episode two, we talked about Anapana and Pranayana. So that can help with digestion and there are concentration techniques and there are what we call meditation entrance techniques. And then in episode three, we talked about body synchronization and movements that go with the body and the breath and how you can become more subtle and wake up the kinesthetic information of your brain. And of course, along with that, we had all the sports, all the games, the weightlifting. We talked a little bit about yoga, and we talked through some of the different movements and the joints and the parts of the body and the ways that they can move. Body synchronization is a big one. That was a really big one. So I hope you've tried some of those exercises. Then in episode four, we talked about emotion and expression entering the emotional body and also these things like the huff, the sigh, the, the burp, the scoff, the groan, the moan, the raspberries. And we also talked about holotropic breathing, emotional release breathing and laughter breathing. And there's a whole bunch of things in there, wonderful things. That was a really fun episode because I got, I got a bit silly. I got, as I was demonstrating <laughs> the episodes the the techniques it was uh it was making me uh, it was having the effect as I was doing it so i really got into it and that was a lot of fun it makes me smile when i think about that one and then episode 5 was underwater breathing and smoking so floating in the water and breathing into parts of the body and becoming aware of the relaxation of the different components is key to this this water breathing and the interaction between your breath and the water has a whole range of ins and outs. And then we talked a little bit about smoking pot and shisha and aromatherapy and air quality and a few little things like that. And then in episode six, oh, that was a fun one. In that one, we talked about sex and intimacy. We had some breathing techniques that you can do with your partner to become more close to them, to become more intimate with them. And that one really built on a lot of the other episodes as well, like body synchronization and four-part breathing and emotional release and sensitivity. So they all really build a lot more. And then episode seven was sort of... That one That one was pretty funny because we had masturbation and giving birth together and... Yeah, those two subjects usually don't get put together in the ordering of information, but they were. it was sort of like two episodes in one, and that was a response to the... Or sort of, that goes with the sex. I mean, we've got sex as a biological process, sex as a personal experience of a subjective phenomenological experience, and then we've got sexuality and... Those are all different things that we differentiate and look at the breathing techniques with. And then episode eight, we looked at Osho meditations. So there's a whole range of breathing techniques that Osho uses throughout his meditations. And it's wonderful to to learn those. And they're just so rich and so beautiful. And so we talked about some of those. And then episode nine, last episode, that was the musician's episode. Now, we always talk about music on here. It all comes back to music because, of course, as you know, the universe is music. Reality is music. So, we talked about vibrations in the body, phrasing the trance, repetition, and the changes in patterns within music. And of course, you might have already started to listen to my breathing. (laughs) Have you heard my phrasing for when I'm talking here? Can you tell when I get a bit excited or I get a bit agitated or I get a bit stuck or I get a bit flowing? Flow was a big one for musicians. And when you Trained to be a musician or a performer, really, of any kind, flow is an essential component of your bag of tricks. Understanding flow and getting into flow is part of that. And we didn't concentrate too much on flow, but it was just one of the things that I remember from that episode is that to flow, to have flow, one of the ways to train that is to breathe, to use these breathing techniques to relax. So if you can relax, you can step into flow. Well, how do you relax? Well, you do your breathing technique. And then we also talked about circular breathing. So that was a juicy episode. Now, there are a lot of things we haven't covered. And it's just the way things go when you talk because talking is linear, that there's things that are skipped and the things that are missed. And that's okay. And you'll find that If you understand and you can follow what I've explained here, you'll actually notice that these breathing techniques, they always, well not all of them, but generally speaking, they come up in different forms. People have different labels for them, they have different ways of explaining them, and they also have their own experiences of them, so they say that the effect might be different. And of course, always when we're talking about meditation and we're talking about the effect, then it's a double-edged sword because... We're not really supposed to tell someone what the effect is. They're meant to find it for themselves. But still, you have to tell them to look out for something so that they know they're looking out for something. So it's a double its a double whammy. It's a sort of paradoxical how to get out of this one. So keep an eye out for the different forms of these breathing techniques. And it might be that you're learning a different breathing technique And you think, oh, this is just like this one, or this is just the same as this, but he does it in this way, or she's explaining it differently, or this and that and the other. So, it's definitely non-exhaustive. I mean, there's, there's hundreds of breathing techniques from so many cultures all across the world. And here, we're really just concentrating on the ones that I have used personally, and I have got something out of personally, and I have talked about from my own experience. So... Thank you. It's been wonderful. And another big component is, one thing we haven't done too much of, is the sort of philosophical existential comparison of breath to the cosmos. So in the very first episode, we talked about how the universe is a breath going out. And this idea of something going out and then something coming in, expanding and contracting, that's a fundamental principle that occurs throughout the universe. And other examples of that that relate to the breath is death. So when you breathe out, we've talked about this a little bit, it's splattered throughout the episodes, it's come up a few times, but never at any great depth. So death, you can simulate a death by breathing out. If you remember in the water episode where the full but shallow breathing technique was explained, the overcorrection of that that happens a few hours after you've practiced the technique at length is that you have a very fast out-breath and a very long gap with no breath. So you can do death simulation or death meditations, meditations on death, with that breathing technique. And then also silence. So, one of the skewers for all breathing techniques is to bring you to silence, and even meditative uh, techniques in general. Silence is the goal. Silence is, well, it's one of the goals. It's hard to say that There is a goal to meditation. There's a lot of traps that come up whenever we say there's a goal or a thing in mind that we're trying to achieve in meditation. But for the purposes of bringing someone into the path of meditation, then we can say, crudely speaking, the goal is to be silent. Silent mind, silent body, and silent breath. Because if you're breathing, if you're using breath, and your body is moving, there's still something something happening. And that ties in with another big part of the... uh, Another big thing which is both existential and personal and immediate and gross, and that is birth. So silence, the deeper your silence is, the more dramatic your birth is. Because, of course, when you have silence... After silence, there is a noise, or a sound, or a vibration. And if we're talking metaphorically, then silence is just stillness. So after something is still, then there's movement, and that's the birth, that difference. So that would be the out-breath, and then you start to breathe in. Now, how dramatic that is is how dramatic your birth is, your spiritual birth, or your life birth. And we did talk about birth as a biological process in one of the episodes, but we didn't talk about it as a existential philosophy. So silence and birth go together. They're related to each other. And if you can see it in the breath, if you can notice it in your breath... And you can start to notice it in your life, in your experience, in your view of the world. So death, silence and birth have a lot of philosophical implications when related to breathing out, staying still and then breathing in. So, now we come to the moment we've all been waiting for. The most powerful breathing technique on the face of the planet. What is it? What could be so dramatic? What could be so... so... uh, hard to put into words is how I feel now. And I feel like I need to drum it up. I need to give all this importance to it. You can feel... I mean, I respect you enough to to just say, look, you have to take my word. You have to believe the... You have to hear the severity in my voice. Now, there's this funny thing about seriousness and illustrating an important point. It's possible to illustrate a very important point by becoming very serious. Now, a lot of the time, <laughs> you know I'm not very serious. And I... I, I I've worked with seriousness. I've done a lot of work to overcome that and become playful. But don't let that don't let that put you off. Now if I could become very serious to make the point of how powerful this is, then I would. But the point is you just need to understand that there's a lot to this. There's a there's a use at your own risk. And in fact this meditation for in in some cultures was not even given to people because until they had a certain number of years and experience with meditation, it was actually withheld, and it was kept in the the higher rings, higher up the food chain. The top the top monks of certain cultures in certain religions wouldn't reveal it because, of course, because it is so powerful. And if you get it wrong, it's disastrous. It is a very dangerous thing to get wrong. And it does exist in the world in its wrong form. So, of course, because today we have freedom of information, it's floating around and you can find it. But let me just illustrate and stress the point that it's a a powerful thing that needs to be approached with sincerity, with reverence, with a seriousness, a dedication, and you really need to come at it with the right attitude. And of course, the other flip side of this is that it often exists in a diluted form, so there's a lesser there are lesser versions of it and the people teaching it don't really know how far it goes and how it's explained is not always explained with the severity as what I'm doing here and so that's something to watch out for and we'll talk about some examples of that and and really more generally like this is the series finale We've been going through all these breathing techniques, and my attitude has been, well, here, try this, this is cute, or this has a little effect here and there, or, you know, try it and see how you like it, or this could be nice. You know, it's a very sort of light-hearted take-it-or-leave-it sort of advice. I'm not really trying to, to convert you or just say, oh, you really need this. Now, do you really need this one? Probably not, I don't know maybe you don't have the guts to follow through with it once you find out what it is that's a big thing in and of itself having the guts to actually do this meditation even even to start this breathing technique is a huge step so here it's not take it or leave it it comes with a big warning don't get it wrong take it seriously but also remain lighthearted <laughs> And be sincere. And really, it's it's a technique that can change everything. It can change everything. It can change your relationships. It can change your emotions. It can change your self-image. It can, can it can radically change your self-image. It completely, radically, inevocably. Smashes your self image head on. It changes your behavior. It changes your energies. It changes your value structure, which means your values are going to change, your priorities are going to change, what you want in life is going to change. And it's all in this one breathing technique. pretty hard to believe isn't it what could it possibly be drum roll please this meditation is called loving kindness meditation it's also called metta meditation in the vipassana tradition it's also in other traditions called heart meditation And it's also got other names, and it's also known as, for example, it's called compassion meditation. But for here, I think we'll just stick with, well, I'll use all of these terms, because you know what they all mean. They all mean the same thing, and they all mean loving-kindness meditation. So, how does it work? It's very simple. And of course... We know now that the simple can be the most powerful. And there's a few steps to it. There are different complexities to it. But what you do is you close your eyes, you put your hands over your heart, over your chest, right in the middle of your chest, and you imagine a person. You bring a person to mind. And then you slow your breath. So you have plenty of time between each in-breath and out-breath. Preferably you're experienced with your four-part breathing by now. Very experienced. You slow your breath and then when you breathe in, you breathe in that person's pain. You breathe in their darkness. and You breathe it in so that it becomes you. You breathe it in so that it's yours. You take it. And you have it for them. And then when you breathe out, you take the best of you, your joy, your bliss, your happiness, and you breathe it into them so that they have it, so that it becomes them. And that is loving kindness meditation breathing in the pain. And breathing out the happiness. Now the other component to this is the circle in which you do it or the person in which you do it. So many instructors say that you start with someone who's close to you. You start with someone who's very easy to do this for. You would wish them well you would want to have compassion on them, a family member or a significant other or a close friend. And then you work your way out to acquaintances or extended family or the people you don't know so well, strangers. And then you move yourself out even further and you go to enemies. You go for those people that you really don't like that you really have a problem with and you couldn't even imagine trying to wish them well. You really do want to wish them harm. And then also there's the skewer of how many people. So going through it by individual people, that's my best advice to you, is to always do it with just one person. But there's also the skewer of my town, my city, my country, my world. And also, beyond the world, you can do my planet existence. So, going through each of those levels and each of those stages is not something that is always explained when loving-kindness meditation is explained. Now, another very important thing to understand is When I say it changes your relationships, you have to take that with a grain of salt. With every meditation practice, there is no direct link between the effect of the meditation and how it changes your relationships. There's no direct link. It is not direct at all, it's complicated and you should never try. Well, you can try, but it's a it's a foolish run to try and make the connection, like, oh, now I'm treating people more nicely because I'm doing this meditation. There's no need to do that. What you need to do the, the best attitude I say is you do the meditation and then you just keep doing what you're doing and you allow it to happen naturally. Because the filter-through process is so long, it's complicated, and there's so many other factors. Another thing with this meditation is that it's not a philosophy of morality. It's not a philosophy of compassion. Now, if we have a psychological or we have a psychology of morality, and we talk about levels of psychology, such as in... Lovejoy, or the uh, I'm trying to think of some of them, Gilliam, or s- s- some of these. Uh, see, I'm trying to scratch my head to think of my moral psychologists right now. It's taking me a bit, but there, there's there are schools of levels of morality, and that's that's a, that's psychology. And if we talk about compassion, then we can have philosophies of compassion. We could say, what does it mean to be compassionate? What actions are compassionate actions? These are all philosophical and psychological maps. These are things of the mind. Now, don't confuse psychology with this meditation. Don't confuse philosophy with this meditation. If you've got a strong philosophical and psychological understanding of morality and compassion, then it might be that you're going to be keen to use this meditation. You're going to be mature enough to move into it. And you might say, well, how do I act on these psychologies and philosophies? How do I start to work it into my life? And this is the answer. But don't confuse the two. They're completely separate. Don't think that by doing this meditation, your psychology around morality is going to change. Don't think that your philosophy of compassion is going to change. It might, in some ways, it might have an indirect way of doing that, but think of this as well, it's a breathing technique. So come back, come back to the real fundamental thing of the breathing technique, which is that we're doing one simple thing, a very small thing, but we're doing it very deeply. And the reason we do that is because there's so much in reality. There's so much in our personal experience. It's such a vast project. So taking just a breathing technique and separating it out from everything else and then just going deep into that is the secret here. So don't mix up your morality and your compassion with this technique, which is experiential. And also don't mix it up with your your relationships. The ability to relate to someone is... The, the intrapersonal intelligence has its own techniques. And this is something I will say a few times. I'll tell you this a few times and I'll remind you again as it comes up. Because this is important. Meditation is a personal experience work. It's a subjective experience individual transformative practice technique. This is a, a process. Now, the individual intelligence or your personal it's like self-knowledge intelligence is completely different to an intrapersonal or a social sphere knowledge. So don't be trying to make direct connections. Now, it will make an effect. And you can see this if you have a A whole bunch of people do a meditation retreat or a meditation course, and then at the end they're all great friends, and they all have these wonderful connections. They're all very open to each other. Now, yes, because they've all been working on their personal part, they're open and they're much better in the social sphere. But if you want to really work on just the social sphere, you should use techniques which are specifically designed for the social sphere. Use techniques. If, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's simple advice, really. To work on yourself, you do techniques that are designed to work on yourself. And to work on your interpersonal intelligence, you work, on, you work with techniques which are specifically designed for intrapersonal intelligence. Now, there's a few times when this loving-kindness meditation comes up, and there's a few examples I'll share with you. If you've seen the movie Lord of the Rings, very famous movie, and of course it's the very famous books that these movies are based off, but in that first movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, our hero, Frodo, who's carrying the ring on his quest, on his hero's journey he runs into some trouble and he gets stabbed by one of the the dark witches and he's still a long way away from his next you know he's away a long way away from safety and there's nowhere he can run to hide for help and his friends are helping him and his friends are like doing all he all he can and what happens is this beautiful goddess, comes to save the day. She grabs him and she runs off with him. And, you know, she has some space and she has this back and forth between the evil witches and it's very dramatic. But what happens is once they're to safety, she does this meditation and she says, what grace has passed to me, let it pass to him. Now that is a... Subtle form of this loving-kindness meditation. Take me. And that, that instinct to, no, Lord, don't take my my loved one. Take me instead. That's the same instinct as what's happening here with loving-kindness meditation. And then there's also, in Vipassana, in, in an SN Goenka Vipassana retreat, the thing they finish with is loving-kindness meditation. It's this exact meditation, but it's the one part of the course which isn't very good and it's not very clear. And a couple of times I've done it and and a lot of students have sort of tilted their head and scratched their head and sort of said, What what does he mean by this? Or what is that? Because when SN Goenka does it, he he has it more of a of a goodwill. And he has this mantra of all May all beings be happy. So you breathe out this this goodwill and you just give goodness outwards. And that's not as exactly clear in how it works as this breathe in the pain and breathe out the joy. He doesn't really have those parts to it and he also doesn't have the parts of the specific you know person or friend or family member or enemy or world or existence. It's more it's it's general. So it is metta metabarma, the meditation. It is compassion meditation, but it's too it's too general. We have to make sure that the parts and the components of this meditation are clear for it to really take a powerful effect. So when S. N. Goenka is there and he's doing, he's actually doing very long breaths. You notice that he's doing the mantra and he's really breathing long. He's breathing out long. That's the metabama that's the goodwill that he sends out of his heart. So that's another point, place where I've come across it and it's been a little bit of a different form. And then also, I've read about this. Breathing Technique in this incredible book by Ken Wilber. Now, we talk about Ken Wilber so much on here, and it's just astonishing, some of the books he's written. And one of them, one of the most powerful books he's written, is called Grace and Grit. Oh, man, this is a just eat your heart out, blow-your-brains-out book. If you ever get the chance to read this book, you must read this book. It is just one of those things that will completely blow you out of the water. And it's a book about, well, it's about healing. It's a book about meditation and disease. It's a book about dying. It's a book about being intimate with someone. It's a book about love. And actually, I think there's a movie. There's a movie version of this book which came out either recently or soon. I think it's coming out this year. I believe. Anyway, that just takes a Google search to clarify. It's either out now or it's coming out very soon. It's called Grace and Grit. And I haven't seen it, but I'd love to see it. Now, in this book, there's a moment where Ken Wilber is learning heart meditation. And he tells the story of being in this group and being taught by this Zen master heart meditation. And spoiler alert, this is going to tell you the plot of the story, but his wife is dying of cancer. So she has cancer. And to heal her and to grow his compassion for her, he's learning loving-kindness meditation. Now, do you realize what's happening there? Do you realize what's going on? Breathing in someone's pain and then breathing out your goodness. And it's not like breathing it in like, I want to feel what you feel. No, it's breathe it in so that you become that thing. You, be- you have that pain. You take all of it and it is you. Can you imagine breathing in someone's cancer? Can you imagine willingly giving yourself cancer and then handing over all the good things that you've had in life to someone else? And Ken Wilber's had some amazing things happen in his life. He's got an amazing life, really. It's just so much good to give. And even as he tells this story, and he's in this group with the zen master teaching loving kindness and he's doing this with his wife someone in the group stands up and says what happens if this meditation like what happens if it it does it it do, like i actually do get the cancer and the zen master says without a moment's notice he says then it's working whoa what a hit what a, what a, what a, what a Zen master punch! What a stick of, what a hit with the stick to have. To well, there's this thing with disease and and this correlation between disease and meditation, which is, I mean, it's it's such a deep field, and there's so many different things to say about it. It's hard to speak broadly, but one of the sticks is, did I deserve this disease? Or what did I do to deserve this disease? What did I neglect? What is wrong in me that caused this cancer? So that's something people with terminal and chronic, um, chronic disease have to deal with. And, and there's, there are meditations that deal with that. And so the, the wishing of a cancer on yourself might be actually bringing cancer to you. And nobody wants that. Nobody really wants to have cancer. Who would? Terrible. So this person in this room where Ken Wilber is practicing it, and he says he was thinking it, but he wouldn't say it. So at least this person has had the guts to say it. What if it works? And the Zen master says, then it's working. And that's the point. What a hit. What a What an experience to have. So, that's a few examples of where I've come across this meditation. And it's, it's hard for me to express what you get out of it. Why would you want to do this? Is there a case to be made for compassion? Is this even the right way towards compassion? Is there a difference between empathy and compassion? Is there even a reason at all to feel what other people feel? Now, if you ingest a certain number of micrograms of methylenedioxymethamphetamine, which is a psychedelic drug, a psychoactive chemical there is a chance that you will have the inner experience of compassion. And how that will go is, now it's not guaranteed, because nothing is guaranteed with psychedelics. But how that goes is, all of a sudden, you just feel someone will come to mind and you'll think, whoa, wow!" That person is amazing. Oh, I wish so good for that person. I feel so good about that person. Ah, I want to just celebrate that person. Ah. That's the effect of loving-kindness meditation. That's the effect of compassion. And it's a feeling that's sort of in the chest like it's radiating from the heart center. And it's not quite like electricity and it's not quite like fire. It's somewhere between the two and it can buzz out to the legs and the arms and all over and it can make this tingling feeling. Now when we approach meditation, meditation is a Small increment work. It's a progressive work. And it's subtle. If you've ingested a psychedelic drug, then you're getting a big hit. You're getting this really dramatic change for no effort, for no work. Now, I don't condone the use of psychedelic drugs. I'm just talking about it here because this is an example of how to illustrate the point. And we can talk a lot about the, the do's and don'ts of psychedelic drugs. and Maybe we will another day. It's a, it's, a, it's a big topic. The psychedelic world is a big topic. And there's lots of people talking about it now. But when we go to a meditation practice, it's possible. I mean, one attitude is to say, well, I'm building that for myself, that psychedelic experience. I want to be able to have that well-wishing without the drug. And, of course, you understand that the technique is subtle and incremental, so you won't have big hits of it straight up. It takes years to develop this. It takes years to build it up so that it is working like that. It is happening like that. So... Cold, hard meditation. When I say that this is a powerful meditation, it is. But also, on the other hand, meditation is also a matter of work. It depends where you're at and how much you get out of it depends where you're at. So, yeah, I'm finding it hard to talk about the effect. It's always a bit tricky to talk about the effect. Now, would you want this? Would you want to feel good About all people? Would you want to wish well? Well, it might be hard for you to imagine what that's like because of how fearful you are of other people, of how fearful you are of yourself and how tricky it is for you to really open to someone else's feelings. Do you want to feel what someone else's feelings are? Do you want to give your feelings to someone else? And that's really half the trip is what do you have to give? Are you really in touch with your goodness, with your bliss, with your peace? You can see that if you can't, if, if these things aren't real to you, then you've got a lot of work still ahead of you. You're not ready for this meditation if you don't feel you have something good to give if how you feel is not something you would wish on someone, then that's going to open up a lot. And even just doing half this meditation, of just saying, hey, I wish I wish you well, like S. N. Goenka does, even, even that has a lot of power to it. Now, there is a form of this meditation which comes up in the self-help field or the new age motivational speaker field. And that is, the, or the the relaxation, uh, what would we say? The, the relaxation industry, the feel-good industry. And that is where you actually breathe out your pain and you breathe in the goodness. And of course, this is completely backwards. It's completely wrong. And what, what mess are you going to get into if you're always just trying to avoid your pain? You're always trying to avoid the darkness. And you're only trying to suck in the goodness. This can do bad things for your addiction. It can do bad things for your impulses. And what would it do with your relationships if you could only ever be with someone if they were being good to you? That would really mess things up. That would really not make you very aware at all. It would close you. It would close you to other people. So be careful when you come across this breathe in the good and breathe out the bad. Positive thinking. Ah, yes. Think positive. That is a tricky tumble of knots. It's a tricky thing to get tangled up in so follow the instructions here carefully here we're trying to we're trying to change the world by having the alchemy within us the transition of something invaluable into something valuable you take the pain of someone else into you and the alchemy and the transition occurs and then you breathe it out into the world this is one of the way one of the ways osho talks about it in his heart meditation and we talked about heart meditation when we we're talking about osho meditations and that's the same meditation as this this is loving kindness and he has his own version of it he does have different stages to it and i said there that i didn't really like the music that much and it's really the it's probably the weakest music track i think to his meditations but he at least he understands it he understands the the importance of changing within us and having inside you the point where things turn around like at what point do things get better in the world how do you actually have things transition into positive things into more kindness, more bliss, more feelings of goodness. Well, it's within you. It all comes back to you. And so using this meditation is how you do that. Imagine there's just two people sitting in chairs opposite each other And they're having a conversation. Now, the depth of the connection there is how much one person can feel what the other person is feeling. Now, with two people, initially there are two feelings. And one of them Whoever's doing the expression, or the talking, in other words, is going to bring the other person across to their feeling. Have you heard that old phrase, smiles are contagious, or laughter is contagious? Well, that's what's happening there, and it actually occurs for all feelings. So if those two people sit opposite each other and they talk long enough and one of them is expressing enough, and then the other one who's listening is sensitive enough and open enough, they will end up feeling how they feel. And in essence, that's what happens when two people talk. That's happening right now with you and me, to an extent. To at least to to the amount that you're open to me. Now, the range of feelings also needs to be taken into account. It might not be at the moment... I'm necessarily being very emotional it's not a very it's not a very charged feeling and it might be a feeling you're sort of okay with it's just you know we're talking we're having a conversation about meditation it's pretty normal stuff i feel you yeah i feel you but what we're talking about is is standard stuff now usually when two people are sitting and talking there's a barrier there's a what, "I've got my feeling, but don't interfere with that." And if someone's expressing something of pain, something of darkness, and it's not a good feeling, then why would you want to open to it? Why would you want to feel that? But that's exactly what you need to do to open up to feelings. And it can't be that you open up to just the good feelings. You have to open up to the bad. You have to open up to the darkness. Because the feeling body, or the thing in you that feels, can't distinguish between good and bad. It can't be turned on and off. It can't distinguish things. It just has to feel more deeply. So the question is not, feel good more deeply, or Feel bad less deeply. No, there's none of that. It's just feel more deeply. And with every feeling, there's a correction. There's an equal and opposite. So if you go into the dark feelings and you open to the, the feeling of pain deeply, then you will be rewarded. And this is tricky territory because words can be deceiving, and by some people's logic, it would be like, well, should I go and then whip myself? Should I become a masochist? Is that what's that what's happening there? And no, masochism has a whole range of psychological differences and complexities to it. And we talked about this a little bit in the sex and intimacy, intimacy episode, where we were talking about BDSM. There was this connection between pe- pleasure and pain. But here, with these two people and this crossover, that's compassion. That's sensitivity to someone else's being. And to open yourself to someone else's feeling and to be able to listen to them, not just the words, but to enter into their feeling, you need loving-kindness meditation. This is the thing to, to do to get better at that. Now, how it plays out with the relationship is a matter of social intelligence. And that's such a complex world that it's, it's I feel it's impossible to say. There, there's no hard and fast rule. Conversations are flowing. They're spontaneous. And there's a whole range of complexities and unseen variables. And it's just it's it's a it's a very it's it's an impossible task to understand really what's happening when two people are talking what's really going on between them two but you you must understand that there is a crossover there is a shared feeling that occurs and that's what we call chemistry or human connection or being close with someone. So, to do that, you must be working on your own ability to feel deeper and to sense someone else's feelings and also to know your own feelings. To listen with the heart means to open to your feelings. To have an open heart means to be receptive. It means to be willing to go deep. And it takes time. It takes practice. It takes a willingness. It takes guts. Because you never really can know what someone's feeling until you feel it yourself. And there is a lot of darkness, there is a lot of pain. There is trauma, there is neuroses, there is hurt, there is anger, there is disgust, there's frustration, there's all the dark stuff, there's all the terrible things that have come along with the human condition, and they're right there. They're in the people that you talk to. They're in the people that you relate to. They're in everyone you know. But if you can open to it and you can feel it, then that's only going to open things up more to a deeper connection. And really, opening your feelings to how someone else's, how, how someone else is feeling, is the same as opening to the feeling of existence, how it feels to be alive. To listen to existence with your heart. So, that's what I have to say about the explanation of loving-kindness. It does bring us to a deeper component of our being which is the heart and the breathing technique of loving kindness is really one component of the heart and maybe another day or another series will be the concept of the heart. It'll be, what do we say about the heart and how do we relate with the heart? How do we listen with the heart? All these things that we're saying about the heart, they're not just limited to this one meditation. It's really a a deeper subject in and of itself. But if you are doing this meditation, then it is a meditation of the heart. and Feelings generally speaking, we say, are of the heart. In a few moments, we might begin our guided meditation. And we'll do loving-kindness meditation with DOSTA. So, make yourself comfortable and see if you can get yourself organized for that. Uh, What can we mention what do we need to mention? Uh, next series, the series after this, learning to walk. I'm totally kidding, of course. You don't want to have ten episodes on learning to walk. <laughs> but actually, well, jokes aside, you'll be surprised that you know you you saw how how. How much there is to breathing, well, there's just as much to walking. <laughs> Maybe it won't be a series. Maybe we'll just do one show on that, one episode on that. But and, and there are a lot of meditative walking techniques that I've learned and experimented with. Probably not as many as the breathing, but just keep in mind, something simple can have a lot to it. And I hope you've learned at least that much by now. So watch out for... Learning to walk. (laughs) All right, here we are now for guided meditation of loving kindness. Find yourself in a quiet place, sit down, close your eyes. And take a few deep breaths, relax your body, relax your arms, relax your legs, and just see what thoughts you're having, see if there are any distractions. Notice how you feel to follow the instructions, notice how willing you are to do as I say. And take a few more deep breaths and just slow everything down. And relax and just get in touch with some peace. And some quiet. Place your hands over your chest. Palms on your heart. Feel the energy of your hands radiating out from the heart. Just relax and just notice what you're thinking about. Notice how attentive you are to my voice. Notice how easy it is to concentrate. And now we bring someone to mind. Choose just one person, someone you know fairly well. Bring that person to mind and really visualize them. What does their face look like? What sort of clothes do they wear? What sort of body do they have? And what sort of gestures and actions do they do? What sort of phrases do they say? How do they talk? Can you hear their voice? Do you know what they often say? And just really get in touch with that person and visualize them and hear them talk. What are they doing? What do they spend most of their time doing? Just become interested in that person. What do they spend their day doing? What are they like when they're with you? What do you talk about? We're just going to stay with this one person. Just hold that one person in your experience and slow your breathing. Slow your breathing. Now, each time you breathe in, think about this person and breathe in very slowly. And when you breathe out, don't worry about anything at this stage. Breathing out can be silence. Each time you have a breath in at a pace that is comfortable for you, think of the pains that this person has. Think of the frustrations that this person has. And breathe in how it feels. Breathe in how they feel when they're hurt. Imagine what hardships they've been through. Imagine the problems that they've had. And each time you breathe in, breathe it in so that you become it. Take this darkness. Take it all and feel it. You are experiencing the pain that this person has. And Keep breathing in slowly and deeply. Breathe in the pain. What has hurt them? What has been their problems? What has been their experience of darkness? What is their pain? Really go for it. Be sincere. And take it for yourself. Say to this person, Give me your pain. Say to this person, I will feel your darkness. Say to this person, I feel the trauma, the frustration, the anguish that you feel. And breathe in slowly so that it goes into your body, into your blood, into your heart. And into your very bones. What is this person's pain? Breathe it in. And now turn your attention to your out-breath. And take some slow breaths outwards. When you breathe in, that can just be silence. But breathe out and imagine this person. Imagine, Remember what they look like. Imagine what they sound like. Remember how they act and how they are. And keep breathing out, slowly, and each time you breathe out, at a pace that is okay with you, comfortable for you, you imagine giving them your joy. Now, when you give them your joy, you will no longer have it. And you're giving it to them forever. And they become that joy. They have that experience. They have that feeling. Breathe out slowly and give that person your joy, your happiness, your peace. The things that make you smile, the things that make you feel light-hearted. The things that you feel happy to share, the things that you're looking forward to. Each time you breathe out, give those to this person. And you give it to them fully, totally. It is theirs and it's theirs to keep. What is your deepest joy? What is your deepest feeling? What is your most pleasurable feeling? The best thing you've ever had, the best moment of your life. Breathe out and breathe it to that person so that they become that experience, that feeling. That moment, they have it. You are giving it to them. Lay it down before them. Say, I give you my joy. I give you the greatest things I have ever known. I share these feelings, these experiences with you. And I hand them over to you totally. They're yours to keep. Keep breathing slowly. Keep your concentration. Keep your hands on your chest. And just be quiet for a few moments. And now listen to your breathing. Listen to your heart. And just notice what's happening with you now. And just watch if there's any thoughts. Watch if there's any emotions. And now just take one last look at this person. Look at their face. Listen to their voice. Look at what they're doing. Just observe this person. This person who you're giving your loving kindness to. This person you're showing compassion to. You're having compassion on. And for a few moments, just sit quietly and peacefully. Keep your hands over your heart. And that's all I have to say for now.